DraftSociety.com presents a Premier League Draft Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the Key Pass Collective. Your exclusive source for the information, analysis, and advice you need to dominate your fantasy leagues. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Draft heads. What is going on? Hold on one second. There we are. Uh, What is going on? Welcome in to the Key Pass Collective. It is so good to be back. As you can see, still shaking off a little bit of the rust from my holiday, but um, man, it feels it feels good to be back. And today we're gonna we're gonna talk draft. We're gonna talk defenders. We're gonna get right into the thick of things. So excited about it. I'm Joe Williams. If you forgot, uh, the host of Key Pass Collective. Uh, I'll have some other wonderful gentlemen on here with me in just a second. Um, but reminder, Key Pass Collective, of course, is the audio companion to the Draft Society website. Draft Society website is going to be your go-to place all season for all of your draft needs in order to just dominate your league. Um, but right now, it's going to be your go-to place for the draft kit, which is what you need to dominate your draft. Make sure that you come over with your draft from from when you draft with an incredibly strong team with a team that's going to just absolutely bruise your opponents. We've got everything you need. We've got rankings. We've got mock drafts. We've got um, team previews, all kinds of specialized articles on certain draft strategies. I mean, it's, it's all there. So check it out. We'll talk about it more in just a second, um, just briefly, but everything you need, draftsociety.com. All right. Without further ado, Let's bring on a couple of wonderful friends that you all are familiar with and one that will be joining us just a little bit later. First, let's chat with Gavin and Toddy. Gavin, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I cannot complain. Cannot complain. Like I said, happy to be back. Happy to be back. Toddy, how are you, my man? Very good. Uh, appreciate the uh, 30 minutes later uh start time than we usually do um yeah as as i usually say um sleeping is for the week and yeah. the, uh i am both currently so enjoy enjoying the, yeah exactly um i love i love i honestly do love the um extra pep <laughs> you bring back to the pod um i think we've We'd, we'd done a um, an okay job, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. but but um, uh, as I told you guys um, when I recorded an <laughs> unpublished uh, intro to to the um, Banter Boys podcast, yep, um, yep, yep. I just appreciate that you're back <laughs> and you're back um, orchestrating or or conducting this um, ensemble. Um, so yeah, if I have nothing else, I have enthusiasm, and I I may have 
actually nothing else, but at least I have enthusiasm. Um, so there is that. <laughs> um, that's a good reminder, Toddy. Reminder that we actually are co-hosting um, the Banta Boys Inside Tracks uh, series. And um, Sanji over at Banta Boys is doing an incredible job of interviewing basically one community member from the draft community for every single team. It's incredible. The work that he's doing, it's, it's a massive effort. Um, and so we just wanted to get more ears on it. And so if you're wondering why those are all showing up in our podcast feed, we're just co-hosting them to try to get, like I said, some more people to, to know what a great job that, uh, that Sanji does over there. Not to mention the fact that he's the newest uh, Draft Society writer. So we do want to also uh, kind of like lock hands and, and uh, give him some, some support from the team. So, um, yeah, good, good reminder there. All right, let's go ahead and bring up um, what we're going to talk about today. So, um, first of all, like I said, Draft Kit, head over to draftsociety.com. Draft Kit is live. It's been for like a month. Um, everything that you possibly need is there. Uh, if you are interested in the draft kit, $15 will get you the draft kit, which we think is fair. I cannot tell you the hundreds of hours that go into this thing. Um, but it's, it's extensive. Uh, and $15 will get you the draft kit. If however, uh, you, you'd be interested in the ultimate pass, which again, we think is, is a fair value for the amount of work that goes into it. It's going to get you the draft kit. Plus it's going to get you all of our articles, rankings and everything for the entire season plus importantly it gets you our fantasy toolkit app um which literally week in and week out will give you customized bespoke advice based on your fan tracks id literally for your specific league every single week who should you pick up who should you um drop who rest of season who's got the best value trade uh values for each player so we really think that's the way to go but again um the choice is kind of yours. We think it's great value either way. We put a lot of effort into it and we really appreciate the support from the community so far um, on the draft kit. Like I mentioned earlier, consensus rankings, tiered rankings. We have a live draft aid that will literally walk you through your draft um, while you're drafting to help you pick players with the most war or the players with the most projected points or players, just all the things. Um, so as you can see on screen, if you're live, otherwise, if you're listening, there's just a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, so check out the draft kit. It is live right now on the site. Um, very quickly, let's pause to bring in Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, what's happening, man? What's going on, boys? How Sorry, was uh, you were wrapping up work? How'd it go today? Great. First day back from vacation is always so much fun. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Such it's a terrible. blast. God, oh, man. Nonstop, but... This is a welcome respite. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've already got uh, a bunch of comments in the chat. Uh, Carl's here. Tom is here. Paul is here. Brando's here. What's up, everybody? I'm, I'm hoping more people join. We've got 12 people watching right now. Hoping we get more in there. Adam Gibbs, what's going on, man? Um, just hello to everybody. Hit us with questions if you got them. Uh, we'll try to hit them at the end and, and come back through them. Or um, if they pertain to what we're talking about, we'll try to pull them up live. So, yeah. Have a, have a blast, guys, in the comments section, and we'll try to get to you when we can. All right, no further ado. Let's get into it, boys. So today, we want to talk defenders. We're here to talk about defenders. We're going to be talking about our rankings first. Um, I should say your rankings because I wasn't around for the last set of rankings because I was off uh, 
fucking around in Italy, but um, which was amazing. But thank you for putting in the uh, the hard yards, guys, and uh, and doing the last set of rankings. We'll talk about those and where we ranked defenders. Then we're going to talk about kind of where to draft those defenders. Um, some late rounders, some late round gems that you guys are, are liking. And then also any questions that uh, our chat has or any questions that come up. I would um, I would love for you guys to just feel free to jump in at any time. Um, think about those things like as people are drafting those conundrums that come up, you know, this player versus this player. Is there an either or a would you rather um, that you want to pose to the group? Like, let's just have it be more of a discussion. Just jump in whenever you guys want. Um, you know, we, we can just kind of kind of go with it and banter a little bit. So, um, yeah, but first, but first, we have a glaring question on our hands. We would be remiss if we didn't speak about one Herons of Kane. So, guys, what are you doing with Harry Kane in drafts that start tomorrow, let's say? <laughs> Does anybody want to tackle this first? <laughs> um hoping that someone takes him before i'm put to a really really tough decision um last the first and last draft i was in i think he went mid third um wow which is where about where i would start to think about him um i was just going to ask you, you when is that tough decision you can't underestimate yeah i mean you can't underestimate uh the intransigence of of daniel levy um and just the pathetic nature of of harry kane so he could stay he could very well stay i think it's a coin flip at this point um it's your risk reward um you could have a late third round pick flop um but if he hits you basically win your league so it's it's a pretty nice lotto ticket so that's about where i think i would i would start first two rounds it's just too risky for me okay all right yeah, I think I think it, this is this is like a continually evolving situation, and every um, different draft start day will have a different situation on their hands. So I saw I saw him fall to like round six two days ago uh, because the two articles that came out yesterday and today about the valuations being far apart and him possibly staying. Um, yeah, so round eight in the Super League. But that there was like a very, very short window of, yeah. of maybe bookies going early uh, for some extra investment uh, and therefore uh, people getting cold feet. So I think from now until until the weekend, we are probably not getting any new information. So I would be surprised if he fell further than the second round from in, in drafts starting from today onwards. Um, I, yeah. would, I would be very, very um, puzzled on what I would do if if he fell to me in uh, pick 11 and pick 12 which which I have in the upcoming drafts that I'm doing uh, over the weekend um, yeah just like Ryan hope I don't get to um, that situation someone takes him before me yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, go ahead Gavin I'll, I'll come back to it 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I started a draft today and he went eighth overall. Uh, somebody still took him in the first round. And so <laughs> I, I think there's there's just a lot of confusion and PR and a lot of other things going on right now, kind of to echo what Toddy said. We had that article come out and the, the headline was very favorable saying Kane's decided to stay if he's still there by the time the first game happens. And so... You know that that's a really big if. I, I think there's a lot of. I don't. I don't think Kane has any say in that really. Like, if the deal is agreed between the clubs, he's not really going to have <laughs> too much of an option to say, yeah, no, I'm going to back out on this. Um, so I, I, would, I still think it's. A, yeah, I, I still think it's a massive risk to to look at that information and take him in the first round. Um, I, I feel, I guess, like Ryan, maybe like. Getting into round three is probably where I would feel comfortable, but he's uh, obviously in my one link that started today long gone before then, and I imagine that'll be the case in other leagues as well. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's interesting because you know, Toddy, it sounds like your sort of breaking point, or you, you know, the point that the pressure point for you um, would be a lot earlier than it was for Ryan. Um, Ryan with a, clearly a great affinity for Spurs, uh, and so I think I it's. To- I have him ranked at, I think we're doing ranks um, on Thursday. I yeah. have him ranked between 15 and 20. And that that is my point where I would probably take him. Um, I had a, I usually do a little look back on, on my own draft and, and other drafts as well. Um, you can't, like, usually around one third of the first and second round is a bust. Obviously it, uh, the def- definition of a bust um, gets wider and wider as you go later, um, or um, they are less considered a bust if, if you don't get any production from a 15th rounder or something like that. But but yeah, I mean, the, the upside or the, the potential uh, return and in, in investment, even at one eight, is so big that that I think one cannot be slated for picking him up there because before the Bayern links, before everything was going on, we were talking about him in one to three. So so if if the if the production continues, then yeah, I I don't mind anyone or i'm not gonna say a bad word about anyone taking him in at the end of the first round well probably, yeah probably I, the I fro- that's <laughs> wait that's way too early man no i mean if it's between him and like Mbumo, then that's a different story but if it's between him and somebody you can pick in the late first round that's just too much risk oh man and almost too late i think like i don't know kane or late third i yeah i suppose i suppose Kane or or Isak? I'd rather have Isak. <laughs> it's like like you know he's he's going to be at the club. They're going to build their attack around him. You don't have the uncertainty of missing out on your first or second round pick leaving the league by September first. You know that that's just that that's I guess where I'm at is like the transfer window is still open for another month. You know, there's there's a lot of time that 
all of these negotiations can still happen and, and developments can happen. And, you know, you get what, maybe one or two games from Kane and he leaves. If that's your first or second pick, that's, that's a huge bust. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, at least you can drop him. Not like Luis Diaz last season. <laughs> Fair. I dropped him. Yeah. So did I, but you know, you know what I mean? I do. I do indeed. Kane or Raheem Sterling? Kane. Kane. Okay. Kane or... All right, so that's too far. That's too far. Um, Kane or Kai Havertz? Kane. Kane. Oh, wow. Okay. So you. it sounds like for you guys, you're looking at somewhere in the third. Um, it's just interesting because like, we're getting comments, right? We've got several people you know, commenting. Obviously, uh, I flashed on the screen earlier, joke but dreams. Got him in uh, round eight in the Super League, which is wild. Uh, but then uh, Cole stating uh, Kane should go 10 to 13 if the draft was tomorrow. He thinks he's staying. I mean, if he's staying, absolutely, for sure, right? That's the whole point. Um, and then other people who basically said, like, we had Carl who said, started two drafts today. In one, he went first round. In the other, he went mid-third. Um, yeah, I like the mid-third. In the first, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, skittish, I think, still. Agreed. Cool. Yeah. All right. I like it. Let's uh let's let's trudge forth. So moving right along, defender ranks. So guys, we're gonna break these down into these are not necessarily our tiers, um, as as they appear on our tiered rankings cheat sheet. Uh, but these are basically some tiers. Just <laughs> they're tiers in a to in a sense. Um I think it's obvious why these first two are on the screen now. Um, one of the things I would love to discuss first is Trent Alexander-Arnold. And um, there's a few narratives going on currently that you know involve, obviously, Trent. And one of them is um, that he is absolutely elite, that he's going to continue on as he ended last season. The other one is I saw somebody post yesterday something like um, basically like why would you draft Rodri in the first round? Or maybe it wasn't Rodri. I can't remember who it was. Did you guys see this post? It was like comparing him to another center defensive mid. Um, basically, like why would you draft insert center defensive mid who scores, you know, really middling um, num numbers here um, in the first round? And so just... It? Go ahead. Because he doesn't drop middling numbers? <laughs> right. So, the, I mean, the whole, the whole question is, can he keep it up? I mean, I I think he can. I don't think he's going to be a top three player because um, I think teams are going to start to not start to figure it out. I mean, they, they know um, what Liverpool's doing at this point. I think the... Villa game at the end of last season was pretty um, instructive for me because they they figured out how to kind of um, nullify some of some of his threat. Um, so I think folks are going to start to figure out how to how to try to play against him. But he's still going to put up uh, crazy numbers. And yeah, as you as you've shown, this is a a two defender um, tranche. So I mean, he's one of two elite defenders. Um, it's just a matter of how good do you think he's going to be i mean i think anywhere between five and eight i think is a decent spot for him 
Um, not top three or four, but after that, yeah, I think he's he's fair game. Yeah, I, th- I think I think um, there is some truth to the concerns about him going to the number six spot. Um, he is, I I would say there is like a. I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it, but maybe a thirty-five percent chance that he goes back to his usual right, right back spot. There's a fifty-five percent chance that he goes to the um, right defensive midfield spot in the box midfield, and then there is a ten. I don't know. I haven't kept count, but there is a, <laughs> there is a ten percent chance that he Math. he actually goes into that number six spot that he started the first um, uh, preseason game in. That would be bad, I think. Uh, and there is there is concern there because um, even if Liverpool get the Romo Lavia deal done, that leaves them with one healthy 19-year-old uh, defensive midfielder and one injured 19-year-old defensive midfielder to hold down um, an attack that has just added flair and um, throwing caution to the wind type of players uh, in in Soboslai Dominic and... Um, and and reinstating Darwin Nunez, agent of chaos. So um, this is a team focusing on the front foot. This is a team that looks like they will go all out attack. And I would be very concerned if we are looking at a, a rotation of Romeo Lavia and Stefan Bajcetic as the as the number six. So I, I I had I had actually written um, my do not draft um, article or the my part of the do not draft article um, that Alexis McAllister is potentially going to play as the number six. There is a chance there, and if he does, and maybe Trent steps up next to him in the box midfield, that's a bit better for Trent. But it's much less exciting than when you were looking at Fabinho as the uh, main number number six, I would say. So there is concern, uh, but the main expectation is still him to have insane production. So the set pieces as a floor as well, so it can't mm-hmm. get that bad. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's, I, I think a low percentage, like you said, Tadio, that he's he's going to act as like a true number six or a holding midfielder this season. I think there's an, there are enough pieces to move around where uh, you can have Lavia and McAllister next to each other, or uh, I think Klopp even tried Curtis Jones in that deeper lying midfield role. Uh, that's that's an opportunity. I don't know how. Uh, effective that will be, but that that's something else that they're looking at, I think. So mm-hmm. I imagine Liverpool will be very uh, focused on bringing in another uh, holding midfielder, whether that's Lavia or somebody else, before the end of the window. And, and maybe there is a short period of time where Trent is used in that role, but uh, the 
kind of the whole purpose of restructuring the system was to get him into positions where he can influence the game from an attacking standpoint. And I, I don't see them moving away from that. And I think he, he's going to be really one of the focal pieces of the buildup and be really heavily involved in getting the ball to the attacking players. So I, I think he's still going to be that elite defender that you want on your team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, you, you uh, let's see, Gavin and Toddy, you guys have him at five. Um, Ryan, you have him at 10. Uh, so, and that was last, that was last uh, set of rankings. So are we still feeling about uh, good about that? Like in both of my drafts today, I saw him go, I think it was like seven and eight, which obviously is later than, than a couple of you, um, are valuing him. And then a little bit earlier than Ryan, you're valuing him. So to me, it seems like good value, but I'm curious to hear uh, what you guys think. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think five is actually almost more of a strategic ranking. I think he's good value at seven or eight. I think he's probably a better value there, but it, it's a weird spot to be in the middle of the first round when it comes back around to you. There's a little bit of a drop off in the middle of the second round where you're kind of forced to be like, do I want Ollie Watkins as my forward or do I want to wait until the middle of round three and get Mbomo as my first yeah. forward? Yeah. And it's like, if you can get uh, that, that's where it really becomes kind of a, a tricky thing to figure out of not only where do we kind of rank these players against each other, but what does it mean for your roster? And so I think if you're at five, you can probably get like a more attractive midfielder in round two that you're that you don't feel bad about reaching for and then have an earlier chance for uh, that striker run that kind of dies out in the early to middle part of round three. So there's there's a little bit of strategy involved in that, but I think anywhere from five to eight is is good value. I can't wait to talk strikers because that round three is such <laughs> an interesting area when it comes to so many Liverpool guys going um, according to ADP that just to me does not seem like all of them can deliver on that value, but um, we'll get to that soon enough. Um, anything else on Trent before we move on? I, I have a question. I want to start with Gavin on Trippier. We're good. Okay. Gavin, aside from Jeannie who um, has ranked Trippier at 17, um, you're actually the lowest on Trippier at 10. Yeah, and I think I have him at even lower in the the ranks that are coming out. Okay, and that's yeah, that's curious because I was going to say, you know, I, in those drafts I was in today, um, I did see him going later, sometimes uh, on the turn in the first second round, sometimes even into the second round, two or three picks. Um, and I'm just curious, kind of, on your take, uh, and and all of you, just generally on, has is he really going to lose value this season? the age thing doesn't bother me for some reason. I don't know if it bothers you all um, or if it's just more of Newcastle kind of showing some chinks in the armor towards the end of last season and that sort of carrying over to this season. Yeah, I, I covered this actually fairly extensively in my Newcastle preview that I wrote. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's going to be a big challenge in terms of how Newcastle prioritize the competitions that they're in this season. So they've got the Champions League now. And they've also got uh, a challenge to obviously try and stay in the top four 
in the upcoming Premier League season. They actually have uh, a very difficult opening fixture run, like very, very difficult, which uh, I think Toddy has an article coming out soon about drafting for early fixtures that that influences some of my rankings as well. Looking at, uh, you know, comparing players that are very similar in value. If you look at their opening fixtures and try and get a sense of like, okay, is this player going to get me more points over the early part of the season? And can I use that as a, an opportunity to, to look to trade? If you're that type of manager, then obviously that comes into play. If you're looking for somebody that's like for the long haul, then maybe that doesn't so much, those opening kind of few fixtures. But that's definitely something that, that I kind of factor into how I'm ranking things. So I think between that, the opening fixture run, and then also just the uh the number of competitions the the additional fixtures and the lack of squad depth at newcastle uh, i'm bumping him down slightly I, I still think he's a first round pick but i just don't think he, he has the same production as last season real quickly uh newcastle according to our fixture difficulty tracker second bottom um burnley being bottom um because they have a blank after facing manchester city uh but newcastle villa city liverpool brighton before it gets a little bit better with brentford brentford and sheffield united yeah it's tough go ahead ryan thoughts on trip here uh yeah um he's a he's a tough one um I still just have vivid memories of playing against him and just watching his yeah. points rack up like a we fucking all. cash register. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I've had share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no, it didn't touch anyone's head. No, that's not a key pass. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just got he's got that special fan tracks ability to just rack up points, and it's it's hard to put a price on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some of those things that Gavin mentioned are a little. Um, I guess disappointing, especially early doors. But um, I still think after like seven, you gotta probably have to take a chance on him, um, just because of the ghost points. And they'll get better as a team. They still don't have a viable right back to come in for him. Um, he was healthy and fit as a fiddle last season. Didn't I? Don't think he missed a game. Um, yeah, they'll have Champions League and and whatnot, so that's a concern. But until you see otherwise, I mean, he can seemingly stay fit. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, what, third overall last season? So I don't see that happening again, but I still can see him doing top 10. So, yeah, between seven and nine is probably where I'd, I'd look for him. After that, I think he's a he's great value. Yep, I agree. I agree. I think uh, all all that needs to be said has been said. Um, he's he was he was top scoring player, not just defender player, uh, for a long time during the last season. So yep. that is not a mistake. That is not just the um, clean sheets that they got. That is his extreme production. So. He's definitely worth a top 15 pick. It comes down to whether you want to spend your first round or on a defender, I think. That, before we move on, I think that is something we should pause on very quickly. And that, to me, is the reason why I passed on him once today. And one time he was taken just before me. Um, 
so you guys have done a lot of mock drafts. Um, several of you are in like real drafts at this point uh, or have completed them. And so as far as roster construction is concerned, I am concerned about taking a defender in the first round, especially after last year when I got burned with Cancelo. But even one who who contributes or produces all year, um, do you see it? Even despite the the massive difference in like the the war between Trent and Trippier and their peers in the defensive position, do you see it being worth it taking a defender in the first round and passing on, you know, other talent there, especially at the forward position, which is thin this year? I'll I'll stop talking. I think if you if you miss out on your forward target in round one and early round two, um, then I don't see much of a difference between a top-level defender and a top-level midfielder just based on positional um, differences. So if just because of the depth of, of talent in, in each position, I think you can get away with with um, picking either Trent or Trippier instead of one of your midfield targets. If you are hitting, uh, if you're trying to hit a forward target, and you have a choice of going for a forward at that point in the draft or a defender, then I would I would consider the positional thing a bit more. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about with the the Trent at five versus Trent at eight kind of conundrum. It's it's really depends on who you think might be available in the next round. And I, I think that really only applies maybe to the first three rounds where kind of the, the highest upside players are the ones that are most likely to, you know, win you a game week on their own. If you can imagine who's going to be available by the time, you know, the next pick comes around. And you're looking at potentially not getting out of the first three rounds with a forward. That's a cause for concern for me. Um, so I, yeah, I agree with Tati. I think it really comes down to kind of where you are in the draft order and what your available options are uh, in the next pick and potentially the pick after that. Cool. Anything, Ryan? No, I think that's right. Yeah, as as he creeps to you, you have to make a judgment call as to whether you think you can get your next target um, in the second round. If you think you can get that forward, then yeah, he's he's a great uh, war warrior value pick there. But yeah, it just depends on what you think you'll get next round. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some of these comments in in the in the chat are hilarious. We'll get to them uh, as we as we go further into uh, into the rankings. But we've got some comments about Malo Gusto. We've got some comments about uh, Tati. How do you say it? Kerkes. 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 We've got already comments Eesh. about him. People people knowing that uh, you're going to be pr- pretty keen on him. So we'll, we'll get to those uh, as soon as we can. But um, let's go let's go back to it, guys. We've got our next set of defenders on the screen right now um for audio listeners i'll kind of break it down for you so we have our consensus ranks basically 30 through 46 on the screen it goes poro shaw james reese james uh estupinian pinnock tarkowski share and then Chilwell, all the way down at 46 
uh, which is interesting. And we will definitely get to that one, Ryan. But um, <laughs> let's start. Let's start more near the top. So Poro, uh, Shaw, Reese James, Estupinian. We're seeing these guys. What round three through usually three and four, sometimes three and three through five. Um, how do you guys parse these defenders? And where are you comfortable kind of like dipping your foot in the defender um, pool if you haven't with um, Trent and or uh, Trippier? Uh, I can take a stab at this. Um, something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, I think early fourth is probably where I'd, I'd start to look at um, this tranche of defenders. Um I've seen Reese go as, as late as, as late fourth, um, which barring impending injury news, that's that's pretty good value, especially if you cuff him with impending. Um <laughs> I mean it's it's coming. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Re- really quickly, Ryan, um you say early fourth. So let me ask you, in your ideal world, have you gone forward, forward, mid, or two or two mids and a forward? Ideal world, forward, mid, best value. Okay. Um, defender, probably. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, so I think fourth round, you can start thinking about the Reese James, Poro, Shaw, Stupignan are probably not that early for me, but I've seen them go. Um, and then I think. Pinnock, Tarkowski are good value probably after the sixth. Uh, the um, sixth? Char, You're not getting Pinnock in the sixth. Actually late in my draft. I think I got him like late seventh, early eighth, which I thought was great value. I've oh. seen him go in the sixth. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I, I yeah. never have. He he usually is gone by the fifth for me. Yeah, it depends. Um, if you If you're if you want them, if you definitely want them, um, early to mid fifth is, has been pretty standard. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm going to upgrade Chilwell in my next, uh, set of rankings. Um, look great in preseason seems fit. Um, he's been slept on a bit, but his ADP has gotten actually better. Um, so he's creeping back up into people's thinking. Um, so I think if you wanted to pounce on him, you probably now have to get him in the fourth. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, Toddy, Toddy's kind of similarly skeptical on on Chilwell a little bit. Um, you had him at fifty two, Ryan. You had him at sixty one, which you said is going to come up a little bit. But but Toddy, why are you a little bit more um, bearish on Chilwell? It's a, it's a combination of um, health and just moving pieces and all new things at Chelsea. Um, he's he obviously has has a has the possibility of of uh, a breakout season because of his just natural ability, but um, similarly a bit for me to Poro is that um, in a in a if you look at the whole team's setup um, and you you check out what they are working with in central midfield, um, then 
and and couple that with a hyper attacking backline then there's just not going to be enough bodies going back to defend and i have a similar concern with spurs and chelsea meaning that neither of them has a solid defensive midfield structure in place and even if they get in a new signing, they won't have done a preseason together. They won't have done transitions. They won't have done training. Obviously, either of them gets in a good, a good player, then they're a good player. So they, they'll pick it up quickly. But but I feel that the either a six position or a defensive-minded eight position is a very complex position to play so i'd i'd think that uh both of those teams will start the season both chelsea and spurs will start the season with a bit of a more defensive solidity in the back four meaning that's why i am a bit um bit skeptical about the um full backs, wing backs, whatever you want to call them, at either team. Mm. Um, so that's why I have Poro later than everyone else. That's why I have Chilwell later than everyone else. That's why I have Reese James later than everyone else because because um because it's just it just doesn't make sense to me if 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 Chelsea set up in in a in a situation where where Enzo Fernandez is uh, is is uh, is the furthest back in the midfield, and Chilwell and Rhys James are both in the team. Then it's essentially just the two centre backs staying back. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. the same same situation with Spurs. If they are starting with Madison and possibly Lo Celso in midfield, then they have. Hoiberg as the only defensive midfielder back there would possibly with as an expectation uh, from a third round defender you want Poro to be the furthest forward in a team you yeah. want um we'll 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 probably talk about uh, the left side of Spurs a bit later but you want the other <laughs> the other uh, fullback to be further forward than any, anyone else then who the hell is going to defend? So, um, so yeah, that's why I'm a bit skeptical on both teams. I feel you, and that's exactly yeah. And I think when Adam uh, Adam Gibbs is, you know, he commented in chat, Poro in a back four. Um, that's exactly what you're speaking to. And I guess the counter to that is, and if anybody wants to speak to this, is like there's a reason why these guys are so high in our draft boards. We're not drafting them for clean sheets. I mean, there's a reason why Virgil van Dyke is, is so much lower. Um, and obviously guys like, you know, Gabriel Magalhaes and guys uh, like, you know, your Salibas, right? They're going to be way lower than people maybe even expect because we're not looking at clean sheets here. We're, we're looking for guys who are going to deliver fantasy points in other ways. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, it's not the production that I'm concerned about. It's the fact that, Either he learns how to de to defend and stay back, and therefore loses production, or he is not playing. 
Mm. Um, I'd have a section on Poro, um, an article I'm dropping tomorrow. So I don't want to step on that. And um, I don't want you guys to as well. But um, I have some concerns with with Poro. Um, If I knew he was, yeah, playing as a as a wing back um, and pinging balls into Kane like he did second half of last season, he would be a lot further up um, my rankings. But the upside is there. But those concerns can really um, make him a bust potentially. Um, so something to keep in mind, and especially in that tranche of defenders, he has maybe one of the bigger concerns. I mean, a few of them have injury concerns, obviously Chelsea, um, <laughs> but Poro has, has some other ones um, altogether. So yeah, that's what I would say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Adam uh, coming back into chat, just uh, stating a little, a little bit more bluntly than you, uh, Ryan, just that he's shite. So um, <laughs> there there is that. And that. That's a defending, though, of course, not not going forward. He's fantastic going forward, but yeah. Um, yeah and and uh, I want to piggyback on what Ryan said, and that is the reason why from this tranche, I have Luke Shaw and Pervis Estupinian higher than everyone else. Sure. Because they, they have the upside, they have the attacking upside, and their role is the clearest. There's that makes no sense. competition. There is no concern about minutes on either of them we know what they can do yep. even if they drop drop off uh, in brighton's case they drop off a bit uh, in attack and in defense from last season we know that he can he can do what he does and there's no change in managers there's no change in system there's no change in competition he is just both of those players are just steady as hell yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. And and some people are going to ask themselves, Toddy, you know, hearing you say that, well, okay, same thing for Pinnock, same thing for Tarkowski, same thing for Cher. Like, what's going on there? It's a ceiling those issue, are, right? Those, those are the four guys I have earlier than the rest of them. Right, but the the other two, Estupinian and and Shaw, it's a ceiling thing, right? I mean, it's, it's exactly. about, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they have the ability to perform at a higher level um, whereas you're going to love your Pinnock, you're going to love your Tarkowskis, week in and week out, they are going to be the backbone of your team. But, you know, their their ceiling is such that they're not going to win you a game week. Whereas a Stupinian could get you halfway there, you know? Like, he's not going to be Holland, but um, he, could, he could get you 30. Yeah. I'll, I'll let Gavin jump in after this, but a Stupinian... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's got the lowest, I think, ghost points of, of probably the bunch. I think it was about eight um, last season. So I feel like he's a bit overhyped. Brighton's oh. not going to keep too many clean sheets. The one thing he has going for them is that Brighton schedule. I feel like he's one of those guys that um, you could feel comfortable trotting out the first four or five weeks and then trading out on a high. Um, but otherwise, I I just don't see the, um, the hype. I wouldn't take him in the fourth. I'd have to wait until I think fifth six maybe um but yeah that's my be long gone yeah <laughs> and where, where would you take luke shaw <laughs> you know that i can't <laughs> <laughs> all right gavin go ahead no i, I think uh <laughs> toddy's justification makes a lot of sense to me and and actually might influence 
future thinking a little bit, but All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to think about not only what is the the floor, the ceiling, what where kind of the the range of points that you might get, but also how available are these players? What sort of minutes are they going to get? How many starts are they going to get? Um, what is the schedule? Like Ryan said, that, that's part of the reason why I have a Stupinian as high as I do. You know, Brighton's got a pretty good opening schedule. I am a little bit more bullish on him. I, I do think he. Uh, gets into the attack quite frequently and and um I, I think he'll flourish in a system that again is built around these young attackers that are kind of coming into their own I, I think brighton has a lot of pieces that were really starting to gel last season but i, I think there are a lot more uh opportunities for them to build on that now that they've had more time to play together so um i, I think there's opportunity there for a stupinian to be one of those uh, kind of second tier defenders, if you will, that's a little bit higher than your center backs um, still has that kind of elite level upside, just doesn't offer it as frequently as somebody like a, a Trent or a Trippier that also have set pieces on top of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, anything else to add on any of the other, the rest of this lot? Uh, just a, a comment. I think you flashed up on the screen from Fantrax Fox. I think he uh, was being a little bit cheeky there. I think he did take Chilwell <laughs> in uh, pick pick one of round four in a, a draft earlier today. So uh, good on him. I was actually disappointed that Chilwell went <laughs> off the board when he did. Um, so yeah, well done. So he's just justifying his own draft pick uh, exactly. in in the comment section here. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Chapdog9997, though, is saying uh, Chilwell taking left-footed corners. Does that, uh, does that affect your, your thinking at all on him? I mean, that was kind of built into my yeah. ranking of him, is that he does have a share of set pieces. You know, that, you know, balance that out with his availability a little bit. But, um, yeah, if he stays fit, he's, he's a very attacking player and has that set piece ability. So uh, definitely potential to be even better than where he's being drafted yeah have you guys have you guys seen any of these players fall to like the late fifth or sixth i'm just trying to give listeners or viewers a good idea of like you know what when they're going to see value with these guys like uh again we're talking poro shaw james estupinian pinnick tarkowski share Chilwell. um for me I, I usually see most of these guys gone by the fifth Sixth for sure. Tarkowski, I've seen mostly in the seventh. Um, wow. To be honest. Uh, yeah, Poro dropped, I think, to the mid-fifth in one of my drafts, which was, which was surprising. Um, but yeah, he's been mostly fourth. Share um, dropped quite a bit. Uh, I think he was seventh or eighth round in my um, in my draft. So... Tarkowski and Cher, um, potential to drop to, to seventh. Um, Pinnock usually fifth, sixth. Uh, Chili's ADP has gone up quite a bit. He was previously like the fifth, sixth round pick. Now he's, yeah, early to mid fourth. Um, and then, yeah, the other guys are usually around late third, somewhere in the fourth. Yeah. I took, I took Shaw at 4-11 in the busy dad's league. I love the busy dads league. <laughs> this was your brainchild, right, Toddy? It's it's together with Chapon. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, just yeah. basically dads who don't have a ton of time on their hands want to be in another league, and um, lineups lock, right? Yeah, and it's best ball, so you don't even have to worry about uh, all the subs. The system chooses the 11 best players for you. Um, you have limited availability of moves, so you have only three moves per week. Um, so it's, it's not um, uh, free-for-all after waivers run so yeah it's 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 a good idea i think it's 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 good fun uh obviously for me as a professed addict it's just one more stuff <laughs> um but but i think the original idea with with chap one was um was that we we wanted to have a league that that dads who who genuinely are having issues with these super competitive leagues uh, could join in, keep keep the draft EPL love going, and um, maybe once there um, certain amount of kids get into college, <laughs> then they can they can get get back to the hyper competitive yeah, uh, yeah. leagues, and and um, we are enjoying the. Uh, dad jokes in the chat, so it's, <laughs> it's always fun. Absolutely, I feel you, uh, Gavin. Next year, you and I will have to start a dad dogs uh, league, but um, not not to minimize anything. But yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, all right, let's uh, let's roll. We gotta we gotta keep moving here, guys. We're gonna run out of time otherwise, so let's go to the next batch. Okay, um, apologies, my slides cut off the bottom, or maybe that maybe that's my banner. Hold on one second. Um, there we go. Never mind. Nailed it. Okay. So this is kind of your next batch. And this is where we're getting into, uh, some of those, like I mentioned, kind of center backs who are a little bit more dependent on clean sheets. Uh, you've also got a few guys in here. You'll notice that are maybe rotation concerns. Uh, and then also some players, uh, who, previously were early second round picks um maybe just the one that uh that we should talk about probably straight off the bat uh and andrew robertson who you all have consensus rank 58 and gavin it's even worse than that for you you and ryan uh at 60 and toddy even worse than that for you at 68 let's talk robo to start oh uh, yeah it's uh i, I think Kind of going back to the end of last season when uh, Liverpool made the switch to the three box three system. That's that's really where this kind of huge drop off happened. Obviously, Liverpool didn't have the best season last season anyway. Um, you know, leading up to that switch, they had a a really rough time keeping clean sheets. And, Correct. <laughs> um, very frustrating to be a, a fantasy manager rostering any of their defenders through the the first two thirds of last season. Um, but really, even outside of that, Robertson really didn't uh, pick back up in the same way in terms of points per start that the rest of the Liverpool team did when they made that switch to the three box three. So obviously, Trent was pushed up into midfield and possession. And what that meant was that Robertson became kind of this auxiliary center back uh, and all, almost all of Robertson's fantasy value is being that kind of uh, flying wingback, fullback type player going up and down the wing, getting crosses in, getting to the byline. Um, 
And, you know, he, he still kept set pieces, but that was kind of his saving grace really was that he had a share of set pieces. Otherwise he was, you know, very much in line with uh, Van Dyke or Kanate and, and, uh, without the aerials, so that's even worse. So I, I think that's a lot of the reason why I'm low on him, why the rest of us are probably low on him as well, is you know, if they stick with that same system, he's he's essentially uh, center back in possession. Yeah. And Ryan, I'm sorry, I threw I threw you under the bus. Um it's actually Robbie who has him ranked uh, at sixty. You still got him at forty eight or forty seven, um, which is the highest of any of us. So do you care to offer a rebuttal? No, that was um, <laughs> a, uh, an error on my part. I okay. <laughs> rostered him um, at the end of last season. And yeah, Robbie will be able to uh, to relay my pain because I was just bitching at him. Uh, I think it might have been his idea that I pick him up. Um, but yeah, he was he was horrific. And um yeah, and this new change of system, I don't see that changing. Um, ironically, he has, if the fan tracks is correct, and it very well might not be, he has, I think, an ADP of 31.5, which is, yep, I think, third? I think he's the top rated after the um, aforementioned Trent Trippier. Um Trump, which is amazing which because is unbelievable you That's watch your league mates right take him and you just you just giggle to yourself and and laugh all the way to the bank yeah the more picks people take um earlier than you have them the more players you have to choose from That's easy as that D- does any does anybody know approximately when liverpool switched the system there were about 10 games left in last season Okay, so would that have been like twenty eight, early May, uh, maybe in April. In April, yeah. All right, so if I go mid April, something like uh, I don't know, let's say April thirteenth. It's a Thursday. <laughs> just trying to trying to get just in case there was a, a Friday game. Um, I'm trying to see if we can kind of nail down this this Robertson uh, exactly the kind of this conundrum here that we're looking at. Um, so really quickly, hopefully, um, so 28, 20, no, sorry, 13th of April to the end of the season, we are looking at Trent Alexander Arnold having 139.25 points as a defender. The next closest defender had 89 and a half. (laughs) 89.5. I mean, so that should tell you pretty much everything you need to know about our ranking of him. Andrew Robertson was 17th among defenders in that time frame with 56 and a half. How many games is that? Uh, 10 games with 56 and a half. That would have been, uh, let's see, one second, one second. Robertson. Uh, That was... Seven games started for him. I think he might have been rested in one of those, or I remember Simicast coming in. Maybe it was a form thing. I'm not quite sure, but I do um, remember Simicast uh, being a streamer in one of those late matchups in the last that's, season. That's still a very bad. Uh, oh, point terrible! Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um. 
I'm not all out on him. He still averaged 7.06 per game. Um, not ideal, obviously. Just under Mark Gahey. <laughs> For context. So that's the guy you want as your uh, round three pick. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, okay. So there you go. I think that's well put. Um, yeah, from from everybody. And uh, nice, nicely articulated there from... Gavin Ryan. So let's, yeah, let's, let's move. Uh, okay. So everyone else in this kind of like category, this, you know, next kind of sub tier, uh, Virgil van Dyke, Diego Dello, Robertson. Of course, we talked about Ben, me, Alex Moreno, Michael Keane, Wambasaka, Konate, John stones and Felipe. So there's some names in there that like people who maybe aren't familiar with the scoring system or don't quite, you know, as, uh, obsessively keep track as we do, as you mentioned, Toddy, um, are going to be surprised to see guys like Michael Keane in there, um, guys like maybe Felipe in there. Um, and they're going to be surprised to see guys like maybe Diego Delo being so low on the list. Um, so does anybody want to speak to kind of like any of those? Um, I don't know. I think Michael Keane's an interesting one. Um, because there is a lot of talk about uh, the young centre-back who was on loan in uh, the Eredivisie last season, Jared Brentwaite, uh, to come in and take his spot. Um, Keane actually was dropped um, for the end of the season, um, six-pointers, essentially, when Everton were were playing for relegation, um, I think I think he loses his spot, but I think he does start the season as the starter. So uh, he's a prime candidate for drafting and then trying to sell, trying to trade during the first international break because because I think. They will do everything in their power to either sign a new centre-back or get um, the youngster, Brentwaite, to uh, get up to speed and then take his spot. So uh, as much as I, I'm okay drafting him, that is with the caveat of um, selling him high. Yeah. Ben Chicken's commenting basically the same thing you're saying in, in chat. Um, and he's referencing Sanji's amazing work over at Inside Tracks, um, which we'll also be posting. Actually, the Everton one's already on our uh, our podcast feed, so check it out. And um, basically saying that uh, King's not trusted by by fans or by Dice, and uh, that he's not going to play much this season. But as a late round shout, because look, look where we have him ra- uh, where we have him ranked, you're not going to have to pay that in in draft capital. You can get him much, much later than this. Um, this is a reflection of the fact that he averaged in the end of the season, kind of that same time frame I was referencing with Robertson, he averaged 13 points per game. Um, this is reflecting that, right? And so you're not going to have to pay that for, for Keen. You're not going to have to pay what you're going to have to pay for Virgil van Dyke or Ben Mee or Moreno in terms of draft capital. Instead, you can wait much, much, much later, hopefully bring him in for the first three, four matches, and then if he gets dropped, so what? Hopefully you've, you know, again, laughed your way to the bank. 
Anybody else on any of these guys? Uh, just a note on Delo really quickly. Um, he's He's gone up and down my ranks pretty much every version that we've had. And he's a really tough one to figure out this season because uh, there, there's question marks around whether he's going to be the starter. Uh, Juan Basaka kind of came in and was the more defensively solid of the two toward the end of last season. He was getting a lot more starts. Delo had... Some injury issues, but um, even when he was available, Juan Basaka was still kind of starting ahead ahead of him fairly frequently. So I, I think there's a possibility that we see a timeshare between Delo and Juan Basaka and that uh, you're, you're probably not going to be able to rely on Delo as like a set-and-forget type defender in your team. Um, he will deliver really high upside and... and uh, he ghosts very, very well when he starts, but I think he's looking at uh, a lot fewer starts than maybe anybody else in this group. Yeah. Um, Ryan, you and I have talked, I don't know about extensively, but we've talked a lot about the Delo conundrum. Um, I know you're not drafting him because he's a Man U player, but uh, just for people who are, uh, you're basically boiling it down to the fact that they you just have to get Wambasaka like two rounds later. And are you willing to, to commit that, um, that price? Yeah, he's definitely one of those, um, cuffs that actually does make sense. Um, I don't think the defense is going to be as good as it was last year. I think they got the most clean sheets. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Man United last season, um, but they'll still be pretty good. So I think that cuff actually does make sense depending on when you can get it. Um, I want to say you're looking at like eight, round eight and round ten for both of them, if I'm not mistaken. AWB around eight to low ten. Um, oh, Wambasaka's passed him up now? I thought so. I didn't realize that. Um, just anecdotally in the drafts that um, that I've been in. Um, but yeah, I'd have to go back and, and check that out. But yeah, maybe it's flipped. Um, yeah, either way, you'd, you'd probably have to do that. Uh, somebody I like in this group, um, Konate. I think he's been one of the more active uh, defenders and probably the only one outside of Trent that benefited from the uh, tactical switch. Um, so I like him. He's decent value after nine. So like around 10, um, he's, he's, I think, a good, a good pickup um, as a defender too. Stones, I'd... I don't see why any of us have him above 100 um, or below 100, I should say. Um, I, I don't see the the appeal. Um, Felipe went undrafted the last draft I was in. Um, oh. Just because I think Forrest are never going to keep a clean sheet. Um, if they stick to a back three, his ghosts get dented a little bit. Um, they start the season at Arsenal. So, yeah, I'm not as high on Felipe, I think, as you would tend to believe based on my machinations last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's certainly somebody I would monitor to stream later on. But in terms of drafting, I, I've i seen people think that they're slick taking him pretty early, but not for me. Um, yeah. For, for what it's worth, I think... Um... Uh, I don't want to speak for you, Joe and Gavin, but I think we're we are all 
pretty low on stones. The only saving grace for me is that this early schedule looks like Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield United and Fulham for the first three um, or for the first four um, followed by West Ham and Nottingham Forest. So uh, if they're ever going to keep uh, consecutive clean sheets, it's going to be in this schedule. And um, obviously we know that there's a lot of time gone since the end of last season with, while Pep could uh, think up new and exciting um tactical things but at the end of last season John Stones was a decent uh, option with some some attacking upside I think as a late round punt um, to to have to trade out during the first international break I think he's a decent decent ad after round 10. I think there's a, a case to be made not only for the very very good run maybe the best fixture run to open the season but also uh genie and i have a a a bet that uh stones will finish i'm on the side that stones will finish inside the top 100 overall and and genie took the opposite um i think if you look at kind of the influence in the team particularly in the champions league uh towards the end of the season stones was really actually operating more as like a number eight um, similar to like a Trent or a Zinchenko at Arsenal, where he was getting up into the attack a lot more frequently. And he's actually spoken about it a little bit of having more of that freedom to step up into midfield. So I, I kind of compare him a little bit to like a Rodri or something, somebody along those lines where um, there's a, a good floor of points available there. There is some potential for attacking returns. And then if you throw in the clean sheet bonus on top of that, I think there's a lot of factors that make it so Stones could actually be uh, inside the top 100. You know, not not fantastic, not going to set the world on fire or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of potential to have more of an attacking output than he did last season. Yeah, no, that's fair. And Ben Chicken's uh, Man City supporter saying, you know, take advantage of... Uh, Man City defenders late and then trade them out uh, because we all know how they do in uh, <laughs> how they do when it comes to uh, needing clean sheets for value and then seeing those clean sheets disappear in the 88th minute or whatever it is. Uh, we've all we've all 110th now with the new rules. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've all been there. Um, wanted to shine some light on um, the Wambasaka Delo kind of conundrum that people are looking at. Um, and shout out to at FPL underscore Romfrosk, R-O-M-F-R-O-S-K. Um, literally, just thank you so much to him. He he shared his preseason tracker with us. And he's tracking every single preseason game, minutes that players are getting. Um, it really is a thing of, uh, of beauty. It's an amazing amount of work that he's done. And I can tell listeners, I mean, we're looking at what? Um, this is August 1st. And currently, Wambasaka has played a total of 225 minutes. He started 80% of the preseason matches. Diogo Dolo, 135 minutes. So if that clarifies anything at all for people or helps um, just in terms of going forward, I mean, it's it's going to be messy. It's going to be brutal, but it does, at least at the moment, look like Wambasaka is is favored. Um, do with that what you will. 
But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, another just kind of like quick mention, or at least just a reminder that you're going to see these players, you know, where they are on our rankings based upon our understanding of the scoring system, our history with these players and what they've done previously. Um, not where they're going to be drafted. You just heard Ryan say that Felipe was undrafted in a draft that he was in. Um, and you can see that we have him 96 overall. So a lot of these players are, are prime for, for value picks later on in the draft. Um, so let them slip as far as you can take them when you're comfortable. Um, anything else on this, on this lot guys, before we move on? Good. Okay, cool. All right. This will be kind of like the final, uh, batch of defenders. Let me make this a little bit bigger on the screen for everybody. Um, the final batch of defenders, and this is where you're going to start seeing some of those more familiar names. And if you play, especially if you play FPL, these are going to be those names that are a lot more dependent on clean sheets. You're going to see a lot of these guys that you're you're used to seeing, you know, whether it's Man City defenders and Diaz or whether it's uh, defenders like Alexander Zinchenko, who's criminally overdrafted always. Um, same with like the City defenders, same with uh, Gabriel Magalhaes, uh, same with Newcastle defenders, not named Fabian Cher or uh, Kieran Trippier. Same with... Um, players like Dan Byrne. Oh, I just, just mentioned that. Sorry. Um, anyway, you get it. So these are kind of our defenders that yes, they've got the name value. These guys will probably be overdrafted in your leagues. Um, my thought on this crop, and this is kind of our last crop that we're going to spend some time with today, but let me just run through them quickly. And I would like you guys to just mention any of them who have, any sort of upside that you would be willing to take before like the last, I don't know, three rounds in your draft. So we have Destiny Udogi, Dan Byrne, Milos, Ker- say it again, Toddy. Kerkes Milos. Kerkes, Kerkes Milos, right? That's because you flip it in Hungarian. I got you. Um, Kenny Tete, Thiago Silva, Levi Colwell, Matty Cash, Sven Botman, Joachim Anderson, Gabriel Magalhaes, Alexander Zinchenko, Lissandro Martinez, Ruben Diaz, Christian Romero, and Ben White. That gets us to 131 overall in our rankings. And you're not going to see many more defenders than this taken in a draft unless somebody is kind of swinging for the fences on uh, on a lottery ticket slash hidden gem. So, guys, who do you like out of here uh, in terms of actually delivering on some fantasy value more than just clean sheet potential? Um, Tete has the, has the best ghost points, I think, of the lot. Um, although Anderson has some stretches, um, but their schedule is tough. Um, I've seen that they've, they've been constantly linked to, to other right backs. So I'm wondering if he starts getting rotated. Um, and he's been going, he's been going way too early, uh, for me. He's been going in like the eighth round in a lot of drafts that I've seen. So too early for me. Um, if he falls to like the 10th and I'm interested, um, guys have been shitting on Magalhaes, but has the, the best, the best points of Arsenal defenders and their, their schedule to start out is, is pretty good. Um, so I don't mind, uh, taking him after the, after the 10th, um, in terms of, a 
trade high situation. Uh, um, Zinchenko, I've yeah, talked ad nauseum about how bad he is. Um, plus, he's injured again. Shocker. So, um, I also like the the Chelsea defenders. Thiago Silva and Cole will start out the season. They have a dream schedule after Liverpool. Yeah, they do. Um, so I'm looking to take one of them um, after the 11th. So, I mean, to your point about Magalhaes, like I, I agree. Like he ended up as what last year the 11th ranked defender, which is great. Seven points per game. So like I, I feel you on that, but again, you're still hoping for a clean sheet, right? And like you said, they have a great schedule. Yeah, and. He's been known to nick a few goals from set pieces. So, um, yeah, he's not a ghost point guy, but it, again, he scores the most of Arsenal defenders. And with that schedule, I think yeah, he's a decent pickup. Yeah, but, I feel you. I, I think the best way to look at rounds 13 and after is who you would go for in a waiver wire situation for, for your next game. Ah. So, um, like, you have a look at the upcoming not even just like if you if you can if if your first 12 rounds allow you to look at like four games in advance do so mm-hmm. but if they don't just look at game week 1 look at look at their schedule look at their um opportunity to play and then draft for game week 1 essentially you won't have any qualms about dropping any of your players you you drafted you shouldn't really you shouldn't have any problems dropping anyone you drafted after round 13 uh at the latest so so i like i like that gabriel shouts there's a very good schedule there um once once they get a clean sheet or once he gets a clean sheet then then um then he has a chance of double digits and and yeah he can pop up with a with a set piece um, anywhere in the first four games, and then you have you have a player that you can plug in for for two th- two to three games. That's that's all you're looking for from a stream essentially. And after game after round thirteen, it's just um, high upside streamers. And now I have the floor. I want yes, to talk please, about please. Kerkes Milos. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't want to um, talk too much. Uh, obviously, I'm biased. Um, um, it's an interesting situation, and and uh, some background given on the two Hungarians signing for for um, Premier League teams this season. Uh, they they had been the two best or most most exciting and most um, tactically. Um, how should I put this tactically mature players in the national team for the last year and a half? Um, and I don't know how much you guys or our, or our listeners uh, followed or, or checked out Hungarian football in any way. Um, for the last 12 years, we have had a, a government who poured an un imaginable amount of money and resources into football building up academies and and uh, stadiums and whatnot and and you you don't like the depth uh, of this whole project is is mind-boggling but the 
the exciting or fun fact that I want to highlight is that neither of the two players that signed for Premier League teams and are being paraded in Hungary as the um, result of the Hungarian um, football finance finance um, model have actually played in Hungarian um, <laughs> youth systems. Um, Kerkes Milos um, was born in the northern part of um, Serbia and he he was brought up there um, played for a Serbian team youth team and then assumed Hungarian nationality he is he is of Hungarian descent but uh, and he speaks Hungarian he's he's like he's a proper Hungarian but uh, never never lived in Hungary uh, and never actually played a minute of football for a Hungarian club team uh, and Dominic Sobosley, um when his dad realized that what the Hungarian youth system was like, he actually founded a youth club, funded the whole thing <laughs> together with a few dads with himself and um, and brought him out to um, Liefering, which is the like the first base of the Red Bull system in Austria. And we actually have um, three, I think, three or four full internationals from the from the club that um, Sovoslai's dad founded in the <laughs> Hungarian national team and one who has never played uh, in, in Hungary ever. So that is the situation that is the Hungarian football finance. But it is a bit of an aside. Uh, Kerkes Milos is perfect for an Iraola system. Himself, the Basque uh, manager, was a, a pretty decent right back. I think he was always better on football manager than uh, in real life. Uh, but he was a, he was a pretty decent right back himself, and his his tactics um, in his previous posts have relied very heavily on uh, full back play overlapping and um, generally um, channeling the attack through the full back play and Kerkas is very good at uh, dribbling crossing and here is a fun and uh, showy Twitter stat for you in the top 15 uh, leagues in Europe there were only 10 under 20 players or sorry, there were only five under twenty players who had ten plus attacking returns, and he was one of them. Uh, so he's he's young, he's hungry, he is um, he he fits the system. So if they if they can start getting clean sheets, then he will be much higher than than um, whatever we think right now he could be. So, <laughs> That might be a lot uh, to ask. <laughs> um, I think uh, Draftlad put it best in his uh, Bournemouth preview. Think um, peak the peak value of Matthias Vigna last season and multiply that by one and a half. So it's, uh, I think he, he should be 
in the conversation in a tier above. Okay, that's fair. The one out of this group that I would mention is maybe Levi Colwell, who just signed um, an extension for Chelsea or his like official contract for Chelsea, um, and has been guaranteed that he's getting play time. And Ryan already mentioned their schedule. Um, Liverpool, okay, fine. Not great. West Ham, Luton, Forest, Bournemouth after that. Um, I, I like Colwell late. If I can pick him up, I think he's a great grab. Um, anybody else from this list, guys, that you're targeting? Uh, just a shout out for more of a situational thing again, but Matty Cash, while uh, Alex Moreno is out, the last preseason game Villa actually played more of like a three at the back um, and pushed Cash up as almost like a right winger. He was very, very uh, advanced up the pitch. And uh, Pau Torres was kind of used as a left back slash left center back. So I think while Moreno is out, there's the potential that uh, Emery uses that system from time to time and and Cash might be uh, somebody that that gets up into the attack a lot more than we've seen uh, at least recently. Uh, But again, that's, that's, I think maybe something that changes once Moreno is back fit. So uh, maybe more of an early season type play than something long-term. That's fair. Yeah, Moreno is supposedly back after the first international break. Yeah. Which leads me into my final question for you all. And this can just be, if you want a sentence, but one super late hidden gem. Don't, you don't have to give away the farm. Um, so if you want to keep one close to your chest, that's fine. But give us at least one um, that people can look at super late as we, I'm going to say sign off, but we're still going to try to, to knock out uh, the the semifinals for the quiz here in just a second. So give me one ultra late hidden gem. I can kick it off if you guys want to, if you guys want me to. Okay. So one of my, well, I, I had the pleasure of writing the Luton Town um, preview. <laughs> This, this season, which was difficult. I had to completely um, educate myself, let's say, on, on Luton Town. What I found out was that their wingbacks score very well. Uh, and they do a lot in terms of the attacking play because the midfield doesn't do a whole lot at all. Um, and then I saw that they signed a young right back slash right wing back. Um, and I say signed, they loaned him from Manchester City named Issa Kabore. And he started their previous match, uh, preseason match. And um, he's one to keep an eye on. I think I might grab him round 16. I think he could be good. So there's mine. I'll go next. I have, uh, I actually have two. One is Joao Cancelo. Um, mm. I think if, if he's there at the, uh, at, well, when you're drafting and you're looking at around 15, 16, um might as well pick him up you never know with pep he could he could and hear me out here he <laughs> could be a backup to um Foden as a right winger um he can play there he can be pushed up there if i think we all know he's he's a very good player um it's just the attitude problem that he needed to work out um it doesn't look like they can find a, a buyer for him, 
so it could still work out um the other one is uh chelsea defender ian matson who was on loan um at burnley if i'm not mistaken last season uh and he's played a fair bit in midfield in pre-season for chelsea so if they um are stuck on caicedo and uh the 12th of august comes around we could very well see ian matson line up uh in the midfield for chelsea i've not heard anyone say that name so far that's that's fantastic that's a deep cut love it i'm gonna go for a name that we have heard before and one that is uh much maligned in the fantasy and premier league community <laughs> in general and give a shout out to harry Maguire. oh lord um, <laughs> Yeah, there, there's rumors of him moving to West Ham, um, more similar to his level and and kind of the the style of team that he should be playing in. I think he can get starting minutes there, um, and he actually ghosts very well because he's good in the air. He he brings home a lot of aerials and clearances. He gets in the way, uh, so block shots. He's an aerial threat on set pieces. I, I think if if he gets a move to West Ham, then maybe he's worth rostering. Uh, if not, then just drop him. So, all right, no, that's that's fair. Totally, I I totally get it. Would you, sorry, Gavin? Would you keep him uh, on roster if he was still at Man United? But there were rumors of a West Ham move uh, after game week one. Uh, it depends on how far along the rumors are, but <laughs> probably not. Um, I I don't. I don't think he's worth keeping if he's not starting or if he hasn't like got a uh, some sort of confirmation that a move is in the works. Um, but you know, sixteenth round of high upside potential pickup that you can yep. throw away. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Yep. Yep. Ryan, um, I, this is a, a favorite of Tati and I, but um. Vogel's uh, seemingly injured, so I think Baldock um, of Sheffield United fame uh, steps into the breach, scored a goal uh, preseason. They have a good uh, matchup to to start the season, so um, sticking with Toddy's um, rationale of streamers the last couple rounds, um, I like him the first few games at least before you switch to to bogle um so yeah he's somebody i'm i'm looking to get really late beautiful all right do you guys want to knock out the quiz yeah let's go for it okay we'll try to keep it try to keep it short with 10 minutes toddy are you gonna bid us farewell and go to sleep uh, no i'm okay I'm, i'll listen to the quiz and then antagonize uh, anyone who doesn't know the answers okay good perfect Great. perfect not from the peanut gallery that went out first round won't have it That's fair. That's <laughs> all right toddy since you've done this before do you want to explain the rules very quickly okay so um joe will flip a coin uh, and a set a and set b um one question asked asked after the other um like a penalty shootout if there is a tie after five, we have a tiebreaker that is a 
number that you can get as close to as you want. Perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, Ryan, let's have you go ahead and just kick us off. Choose either set A or set B. Uh, go A. Okay, A. That means you're going to go first. All right. So, uh, Ryan, your first question here. In 2019-2020 Premier League season, in the 2019-2020 Premier League season, four players completed 100 or more dribbles, according to Opta or FB Ref. Name two of them. 2019-2020, four players completed 100 or more dribbles. Name two. Dama Traore is one of them. Ooh. Ooh. I have. I want to say Mane. You want to say? I remember if ASM's. I'll do um, St. Maximin. Mane would not have gotten you the point. St. Maximin, however, does. Cool, nice God. job. Nice job. Thinking, I just saw his, yeah, well his like departure posting, and it said four years, and I was just like really close to didn't know if he, if he stayed. Okay, cool. So Adama, Zaha, ASM, Buendia. Wow. Emmy Buendia. Oh, nice. Yep. All right, Gavin, here we go. In the 2019-2020 Premier League season, four players completed 80 or more key passes, according to Opta slash FB Ref. Name two of them. 80 or more key passes. You said 1920. 1920. Um, Kevin De Bruyne. Is one of them? It's before Bruno came. Um... Grealish is another one. Nice job. Nice job. Absolutely. Good work, guys. AWP up there? Uh, KDB, Grealish, JWP. Trent, Trent, and Buendia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Buendia had a hell of a season. Yeah, hell of a was, season. That was Buendia's uh, top season there. That's why we all want to keep drafting him, but we got <laughs> we got to stop ourselves. <laughs> all right, Ryan, here we go. Question number two. In the 2022-23 season, for the first time ever, an American player scored for a Premier League team managed by an American manager. Who was that player? I assume Brendan Aronson. That is correct. Nice job. Boom. All right, Gavin. Yours may or may not be that easy. Let's see. All right. Oh, come on. Question number two. In the 2022-23 season, which player became the first ever to... Oh, sorry. 2022-23 season, which player became the first ever to be sent off on their Chelsea debut? I have no idea. 2022-23. Uh, was this... Enzo Fernandez? No. Ah, uh, 
I totally even forgot he even played that. Yeah, that yep. against Fulham. Yeah, that was wild. Famously, everybody spent a whole bunch of fab on him and then gets sent off in his first match. Yeah, I remember that now. Yep. That game. He was. He was great. Yeah. yeah, he was great. Flashes of brilliance before uh, flashes of red. All right. <laughs> Scored like five points. Even, was that even, it? Even um, with the red card. With the red card. Was that all it was? <laughs> oh, so so that would have been minus what eight? Seven. Yeah, seven. seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So fair. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. All right, Ryan, you are uh, in the lead, two to one. Let's go ahead and get you your third question, Ryan. What is the name of Bournemouth's stadium? Vitality. Very nice. That's a point. That is a point. All right, Gavin, over to you. It's going to be in a similar vein, obviously. What is the name of Nottingham Forest Stadium? Uh, the City Ground. City Ground is correct. Nice job. Two points. One point for each. I guess I should give you some correct answer music. Nice job. All right, Ryan, fourth question. This one may be a little bit tougher. We'll see. With 37 in each, which outfield player started the most games in both of Chelsea's last two title-winning seasons, 2014-15 and 2016-17? Again, with 37 in each, which outfield player started the most games in both of Chelsea's last two title-winning seasons, 14-15 and 16-17? Is it Fabregas? It is not. It is Dave. <laughs> I was thinking outfield, no defenders. Fucking hell. Dave yeah. as Pilaqueta. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Dave as Pilaqueta. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Um, Toddy, I only have four questions here for each. Is that normal? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll come down to this one then. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. I mean, we have a tiebreaker if we need it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Um, here we go. All right, Gavin. Only one outfield player started all 38 games of Leicester's title-winning 2015-16 season. Who was it? Wes Morgan. <laughs> that is correct. Oh, oh nice job. Unbelievable. Ooh, okay. Unbelievable. All right. Well, that leaves us with three to three. Um, uh, I'll give you. I'll you, give you have you. them? You have them? If you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're just not going to the tiebreaker. Yeah, we go before okay. the tiebreaker? Or? No, no, no. Wait. No, 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 one more. No, sorry, sorry. Not that one. Oh, not that one. Okay. <laughs> are those from the Europe Europe ones? Rig. Yeah. It's happening. Got you. All right. Are we good to go? Yep. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ryan. Last question. It is currently three to three. Which of these players didn't get a game week high score in 2022-23? Which of these players did not get a game week high score in 2022-23. Sally March, Gabriel Martinelli, Ben Mee, 
Alexander Mitrovic. Martinelli. That is correct. Nice job. Nice job. It's right, so Gavin. weird when you were saying that. I was like, I wonder if Martinelli comes up because he had like some great like early 20s performances, but never yeah. like a monster. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, I mean, and, and mainly because it looks like March um, in game week 20 scored 37, Ben Mee 29. Um, or no, sorry, Ben Mee 26 and a half in 22. And Mitrovic in game week one scored 35 in game week 17, 35 and a half. So, yeah, Martinelli just didn't didn't get, quite get there. Um, all right, Gavin, pressure's on. You got to get this one to, to tie it and bring it to a tiebreaker. Which of these players did not get a game week high score in 2022-23? Saka, Salah, Cher, Sun. I'm going to go with Saka. It is Fabian Cher. So sorry. Saka in game week 28, 34 and a half. Um, and also game week 32 with 32. So there we are. Hold well on, Gav. Jesus. That was good, you guys. <laughs> nice job. That was brutal, honestly. Nice job. I, I yeah, cannot even tell you how many of those I, I would have known. It's <laughs> under two. Um, no, maybe I would have known both. That's... I would have known both the stadiums, but maybe that's, that's about it. That's why we are on the sidelines. Exactly, exactly. And these guys were in the semifinal. Right, right. I nice. Right. In the final. You got to win the, it for the for the states. Yeah, I love that people were answering in, in chat as we went along too, just giving their their guesses. That was solid. Um, all right, let's go ahead and close her down, guys. It's been a great episode. Um, this will be up tomorrow on uh, all podcast platforms, but um, in the coming week. Stay tuned for obviously midfielders and forward previews as well. We're going to try to get those knocked out as soon as we possibly can. So we'll be back with you with another live stream. Tune in, check us out on Twitter. Um, you'll get all the information there. Guys, it's been a blast. Thanks so much. Let's close her down and get Toddy to bed. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Adios. Later.